Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership trainings and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. And welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I am your host, Tara Humphrey. And in today's episode, I am talking with Matthew Gibbons. Matthew is a fellow colleague with me in the NHS England Sustainable Improvement Team's Time for Care faculty. In episode 45, I introduced you to Catherine Blackaby. She's also part of the Time for Care faculty and she gave you an introduction to quality improvement. In this episode, Matthew is giving us an introduction to project management. I wanted to bring Matthew on because I think he's got some really good insights for kind of particularly in the field of primary care or for those of you within your organisations that have projects but don't necessarily have a project manager and it doesn't matter. I think what's really nice about this episode is that we share our take on the difference between the project manager and the project management function and if you don't have a project manager it's okay but we emphasize that your projects will do better if you have some project management in it. It doesn't have to be um, overly bureaucratic or a barrier to getting your project done. Good project management will act as an enabler to help you to deliver some really meaningful and long-lasting results. This episode is a little bit unusual because this is part one of a two-part series. So in this one we talk about an introduction to project management and in part two which will be released a little bit later on we will be talking well we will be busting some project management myths. So as always, I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that you get something from this. And if you like it, I would love it if you could give us a rating and review on iTunes. Subscribe on the usual place you get all of your podcasts and give us a shout out on social media. Um, Enjoy. Hi, Matthew. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. How are you doing? I'm okay, Tara. Thank you very much. It's a lovely day here in North Cornwall. Yeah, it's, we're recording on a bank holiday Monday and yeah, it is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. So I won't keep you too long. Okay, so um, for our listeners, Matthew and I know each other uh, because we are part of the Time for Care faculty um, run by NHS England Sustainable Improvement. Um, I know you guys will have heard a few of my buddies come onto the podcast from that faculty. And I wanted Matthew to come on to talk about project management and operations management because Matthew's got a background in that. And I just think in the primary care I think the role of the project manager sometimes can be a bit misunderstood. So I just thought it'd be really helpful to get bring an expert on and we can have a bit of a chat about that. Is that okay? Absolutely. Although I'd, I'd hazard to say that I was an expert, but I have some experience. Stop. Stop being modest. <laughs> okay. So Matthew, uh, can you give, a, give us a bit of an introduction and a summary of your work experience and what you do today? Um, so I've actually got a background in software engineering. Uh, my, I studied uh, at university um, electronics and software engineering. Um, 
and had, had a quite a, a protracted career uh, in that field, including specifically telecommunications. Um, as part of the software engineering piece, uh, I did all aspects from, from development to project management to architecture. So I've you know, had quite, quite varied and rigorous um, career in, in that field. Um, about 2003, um, like a lot of uh, everything post-internet post bubble, um, I was made redundant from a, a job I had and I sort of went, decided to go self-employed. I want to be you know master my own destiny um and during that time i i sort of branched out my, my project management into more than just software so i started doing some construction projects um i obviously did do the construction myself but i, I managed them uh and i worked in you know sort of var various different fields doing project management um came into primary care back in 2015 um so i've had about five years working primary care um and that's been as a, as a business manager at a small rural practice um through to one time managing uh, as a strategic role um about 21 different practices in cornwall uh, and then latterly as a network manager for watergate primary care network um, as you say, I was also part of the uh, NHS England Time for Care faculty, um, which is that group that um, helps primary care uh, practices, networks, um, develop and improve uh, through the application of quality improvement. So when you made the jump into primary care, what were they looking for? <laughs> um, so the... The practice that I actually joined, um, they'd had a, a CQC inspection. It hadn't gone too well. Um, so there was a, a senior partner who was uh, effectively managing the practice with the help of a you know, practice manager. Um, I think they, they'd had a previous practice manager who'd been you know, really, really good at the job and pretty much owned, owned that role. Um, she left and somebody had stepped up to you know, take on that role with the support of the, the senior partner, but hadn't really, um, hadn't really worked. There hadn't been enough attention given to um, the support of that, that individual. Um, CQC had come along um, and found the practice wanting, which is you know not not a great thing for them because they were really good at providing care um i came in to you know ostensibly help uh the practice um to you know to to support the practice manager to to you know give her some supervision and allow her to develop her role um, whilst taking on the management of the you know the practice business as it were um which is the the piece of that, that senior partner should have been doing um as it turned out i, I joined the practice um and the practice manager really left so I, I took on both roles did um, you drive um, her out Matthew I didn't know I didn't <laughs> um I you know I was actually I'm looking forward to actually working with her I you know I, I have um an, an approach to um you know supporting improving people I, I always think it's best to work with what you've got yeah um rather than um, rather than just replace um so I, you know, I was looking forward to, to taking on that role and, and supporting her and helping the practice to to grow. Um, but uh, I said, when you know, by the time I'd actually joined, she had left. Um, so I, I took on both the business and the, the practice management. Did you know the practice before? Because I think what's quite interesting is that I sometimes hear and have kind of first hand experience that when primary care recruit, they like people to have a primary care background. So I think, and not always. But I think there is kind of safety in that that person kind of has a, a really good understanding of their sector. But you came in 
without a primary care background I just think that's really I just wanted to kind of emphasize that point because I think it's really important because you've got that skill set that you've brought into that practice that they may not have had in a slightly different perspective because you come from outside of the public sector. Uh, yeah, so it's it's fair to say that this practice was my wife's practice. She was uh, the junior partner at the practice. Um, that's not the you know the reason why I was asked uh, you know primarily to come in. They, I think post CQC inspection, they they had some particular issues. Um, my wife took um, you know quite quite a key role in trying to address those. Um, my my role back home was supporting her. Um, you know, giving her some advice. I I being in a position where I'd run projects, I'd, I'd run business, I'd, you know, I, I knew some of the HR stuff that she was having to deal with, I had an insight into the finances. Um, so I was, I was just by myself giving a lot of advice and I think that got back to the, you know, the, the other partners. Um, and you know, we, we had a meeting, we had a conversation and decided I'd come in for you know, a short period of time to do this supervisionary role and to help get the practice back on track. Um, so I think, Actually, it's not so much about knowing, um, you know, someone's got a background in primary care, although that is uh, something that is, you know, is, you know, reasonably attractive. I think there is actually something about um, GPs knowing the person um, and trusting the person first and foremost, um, which, which leads to a lot of appointments. Um, so you, you generally see. I think in practice is that you know staff that have trained with um, or or GPs that have um, you know been been registrars within practice end up getting employed at the practice because it's easier to employ someone you know that is going you know develop a relationship with someone that you don't um, and I think that that counted for a bit um, you know in my appointment and taking on uh, the practice because the the senior partners uh, you know knew me and yeah. you know they they knew my wife and they trusted me because of that. Um, and that helped a lot. Um, but I think there is, you know, there is something um, I think that was was key in, in bringing uh, somebody from outside of healthcare into to this role was that I, I came along with fresh eyes. Um, you know, I, I needed to learn very quickly what was going on. Um, but I also in, in doing that, I was on my own. Um, you know, and I had to ask a lot of questions. And I think it was, you know, asking those questions caused me to think about why are we doing all the stuff that we are doing? Um, and that led to some changes that, you know, that sort of came later. Obviously, you know, initially within the practice, we, we spent six months, uh, you know, working what we had in the practice to correct the, the issues that CQC had found. Um, but it also so post that, you know, moving on and helping to uh, develop the practice as a business. So let's get into it. Why do you think so many projects fail? Um, I, I've, I've had a really good think about this, Tara, in, in preparation for coming on here. And I think there, there are a, a few key reasons. I think probably the, the most significant thing is not being clear about what you're trying to do. Um, and that you know, it goes back to the why. Why are we doing this in the first place? And I think where, where you, um, you're not uh, you know, absolutely clear about the, the, the aim of the project, um, a couple of things happen. One is that you don't really have anywhere to, to go towards. You know, the, the project itself becomes self-serving. It's the activity of the project which you know, becomes a project itself and that's where the focus is, rather than trying to get to that aim. And I think there's, there's also something about not, you know, if you're not clear about your aim, how do you bring people with you? You know, how do you get people to, you know, to support the work you're doing and, you know, invest the time and effort uh, in a project if you're not clear about the aim and you haven't got people brought into that? 
Um, so you don't have that shared purpose. You don't have that sense of, you know, this this is the project. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And you know, everything that follows the how and the what is is the effort that we put into it. I also think there's there's something about being focused on the solutions first. Um, and I think that that tends to happen. And I think when we sort of move into uh, rigor of project management. Um, I think it, it does tend to sometimes be a little bit more uh, solution focused um, and I think there, there is something about um, how you you, um, you check the uh, or validate the you know the, the actual um, success of a project and I think where you've moved into solutions is because you can actually count that you've delivered something um, so you know for example um, think about an IT project you want to roll out um, I don't say like remote consultation to, to GP practices um, so as, a, as an STP footprint or a CCG you can easily count whether or not each of those practices have got uh, access to remote consultation tools um, what you can't uh, measure in that is whether or not they're being used or not you know it's because that's not been the aim of the project it's, it's been about getting that solution there um, not being clear about what the aim is in the first place for those practices means those practices might not actually take on the use of the tool so it's, it's knowing what the why is and I, and I think that plenty of projects succeed in the sense that they deliver um, what they set out to do but they miss the point of why they were doing it. Um, and so we see that, you know, particularly big IT projects, um, you only have to look at, uh, you know, some of the stuff the NHS uh, has tried to do, or the government's tried to do over, uh, you know, the past 20 odd years um, in those big IT projects. They delivered something, but it's not really what everybody thought they were going to deliver in the first place. It's, it's been about accounting. Have I done x y and z rather than have i solved the actual problem that we set out to do in the first place i think there's also something about you know process um and not having enough rigor about how we approach this so you know you need some rigor you need you need to actually do some some project management you need to uh be clear about some of the processes um and i think you know we'll talk about that um i, I presume a bit bit more later when we, we dig into that but I think you know there, there needs to be some effort put into uh, the, the project um, and that's not about just the doing of the project but it's about that that piece around the project that facilitates it that helps it to happen uh, and I think the final thing is around actually you know we fail to engage people we fail to bring people um, into the, the project space and be part of that project uh, whether it's a failure to engage or communicate um, I think a lot of the time um, the project becomes sort of self-serving, it becomes about itself and we focus too much on the things that we can control, which is you know, um, regular meetings about project updates and um, you know, checking key performance indicators and whether or not we delivered something on time and not enough on actually people and helping them, uh, motivating, mobilising, getting them to be part of the project and deliver on that success. Why do you think it is hard to bring people along and engage them. Why have you highlighted that as an issue? I think some of it is that people are messy. You know, we, it, it's difficult to work with people. They're, you know, there's, there's lots of challenge and conflict that's involved with, with working with people. Um, and I think that sometimes it's easier just to hunker down and get on with the process than it is to actually um, you know, involve people in, in a project. Um, and some of that is, just because we, you know, we're human beings, we have preferences, we have, we have, um, you know, desires to work in particular ways, or we're motivated by different, uh, different goals, and, and it's difficult to then go and meet people that aren't motivated in the same way, or, or aren't driven by the same things that you do, or aren't as bought into the project. Um, and I think there's something about 
you know, we, we can always work with the willing, you know, and that, that's really, really easy. But actually, we need to work with the unwilling. We need to help people come and meet us, um, you know, in our project. And sometimes that requires us to go and meet them and bring them to where we are. Um, and I, I guess that, you know, that, that stuff requires, uh, you know, a set of skills which can't be codified within, a, you know, a, a, a process manual or a, um, you know, particular ways of working. It, it's about that messy stuff that is soft skills and, and uh, doing things with people, which is difficult. So what would you say is the difference between project management and the project manager? So project management is quite straightforward. It's, you know, it's the rigor of the tools and the methodologies that, um, you know, you, you can apply um, at particular times in the life cycle of a project in order to get some particular aim or move the project forward. Um, the project manager is the person that applies that rigor, this person that does the, the work to make sure that happens. Um, and I, I don't think that, you know, the, the, the two are actually uh, as interlinked as you, you might think. Um, there is something about, uh, you know, project management as a discipline codifies um, some good practice. It, it brings together some things that have worked in the past and um, it brings together some, some principles that allow you to, you know, to address parts of your project uh, lifecycle at different times in different ways. Um, and it, it, it should give you prompts, um, you know, and how to, how to uh, you know, approach the project at that time to get the best results. So, you know, if you, if you are setting up a project, you know, there's some things that you need to think about. Um, if you're closing down the project at the, you know, the end of the project, some other things you need to think about. And this, this rigor um, that project management gives um, or provides um, is, is useful prompts to, to encourage you to, to think in the right ways, to, you know, to, to establish that project and process within the sense of a framework, um, which gives you, um, that, you know, the, the, the way that you'd apply that tool, the way that you'd apply that methodology, um, and in, in such a way that it would lead to, uh, you know, a better outcome or better successes if you are to do that. The project manager, though, um, it, you know, is, is that role that applies that. Um, you know, they, there isn't a sense um, that just because you, you understand the tools and methodologies that you can go and, you, you know, do that successfully. And I think that there is um, really a, a, a misunderstanding about what the project manager role is. It's not just the person that applies, um, you know, the, the, the rigor from the methodologies. There's a whole load of other things that um, a project manager is doing if they are successful. And it is around those software skills. It's around, you know, that, that, that people management. It's around, um, you know, bringing people together and putting them, putting them in a space where they can actually um, function uh, in service of the project to do something. So it's, it's more of a facilitative role um, rather than a management role. Um, but there is certainly, a, a, you know, a piece around um, applying those those tools and methodologies, which is the, the you know the management proper of the project. But for it to be success, you've got to step out of you know that that process and performance space and move to that people space and and help facilitate, help people you know solve problems, uh, deal with conflict, address challenge, and and be able to um, service the project, move it forward, do do something positive. I would really agree. I do think sometimes the expectation of the project manager you know like it's just to deliver and there isn't always that appreciation of the facilitative skills and you know the soft skills and that conflict resolution and especially when you're working with so many people I sometimes think people think the project manager is just the you know like we'll just give it to the project manager and they will get on and do it 
And I think that moving forward, hopefully people do appreciate and understand. And also that project manager, there are lots of project managers that may think I'm just there to deliver the project. And I think in order to deliver the project, you do, there is a big facilitation piece around that. And just some, sometimes I say it's like two steps forward, one step back, because sometimes you think, yep, yeah, we're going, we're rocking and rolling. And then something happens and then it's like two steps back and then you kind of have to regroup and bring everybody back and remember why we're doing it. Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, there is something I think fundamentally misunderstood about project managers. And, you know, this, this is not uh, meant to be in any way a criticism of project managers that, that are doing this. Um, but there, there is sometimes a sense, I, I feel, that project managers are there to do the project. Um, and, you know, my perception is as a project manager, you're not there to do the project, you're there to ensure the project can be done. Um, and it is about that servicing the project in and of itself. It, it's about making sure that, um, you know, things are in the right place for the project to happen. Um, that, you know, it's, it's properly resourced, that you've, you've got, um, you know, the uh, people have got the right information or the um they've, they've got the right bits of the plan that they need they've got some documentation they've they've got uh, they know what their their outcomes are going to be Do you know it's about getting all that in that space to allow that to happen but it's not doing the project itself and i think this is the you know this is where this fundamental uh, misunderstanding of what a project manager is occurs um and so you know people say oh we, you know we we've got a project to do we need a project manager to do it, what they actually need is a project manager to facilitate the project, but it's a team that's got to deliver that project. Um, and I, I, I've seen, you know, project managers be blamed for failures of projects, um, which I think is really, really unfair. You know, unless, unless the project manager hasn't done, you know, their role, they haven't, they haven't applied the rigor, they haven't applied the, um, you know, the, the processes and the tools at the proper time, you know, in, in service of the project, they haven't created a, um, you know, an, an environment in which the project can happen. Actually, it's the team that's failed. It's it's that wider project team that is there to actually do the work that has failed. It's not the project manager per se. And I think that you know, understanding that is is really really key um, to, to you know to employ and use the skills of a project manager properly. You need to understand that they are there to facilitate the project to help it to happen. They're not to do the work. That's really helpful. So we work in the field of primary care and we are very at the moment looking at and working with primary care networks. So I work with a lot of primary care networks and they don't, well, I know of a a lot of primary care networks that don't have a project manager, but they are managing lots of projects. They may not see them as projects, um, but there is, you know, they get a bit of funding to do something. They've got their development plans. um, So you classify those as a project but they they don't have they, they're not using project management some may be um they may not know they are but they are um and they don't have a project manager and that you know let's say we're talking about the clinical director that person's really really busy why do you think lots of people and lots of networks know that they've got projects know that they have a budget they feel like they're clear on their outcomes what they want to happen they don't join they don't think okay we've got projects I'm really busy I may not be the best time let's have a project manager lots of them don't think like that so I guess um some of this um comes down to being clear about you know actually understanding what what you are trying to achieve is a project um and understanding that actually the best way to achieve that 
project is to have some rigor around that um, and knowing at what point a project manager would best serve that project. Um, they, you know, they, I guess you can look at, um, you know, project management from a business perspective. So as you know, as a business, um, I want to do something. I, you know, I want to uh, put a new project in a product in the market. I want to uh, Im improve a, an existing product or something like that. You know, I, and I would put a project manager into that space and and you know get a project started up and get it initiated and do all that definition before we'd even started doing it. You know, got got the project team together to actually do do the work. Um, I I think actually that's a perception of you know project management. Um, you know, within primary care space, is that you know we're not a business. Um, you know, we, they, we we're just a practice, um, or you know, we're a network of practices. We're not we're not a proper business, so we don't need to have um, you know that that sort of approach to doing our projects. And um, you know, there's 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 some stuff around um, actually being clear about what you're trying to achieve and understanding that actually this is a project. Um, and I guess some of that comes as well to scale. Um, you know, we tend to think about projects as being big things with big budgets that take a long time to, to deliver. Um, as a you know, as a practice that's trying to make an improvement or trying to get a new um, a new service off the ground, sometimes it doesn't feel like actually that that is big enough to to warrant um, the investment in uh, you know a, a project manager. Um, and also, I think that practices because they don't consider themselves businesses per se, they they think actually this is more within their control that they can do something themselves. So it's it's really um, identifying uh, and being quite clear about what you know what you are trying to achieve and what's your capacity to achieve it and, and recognizing actually you are a business um, and therefore you know applying some business principles which might include project management might not be a bad thing okay so continuing with primary care networks but these principles obviously um, extend primary care networks per se but that is our that's our thing so would you is the project manager the same as the network manager so you've got we say we've got a group of practices working together they will have they will appoint a network manager or a project manager without yeah what what do you think are they the same person so i i think a network manager probably is going to put a project management hat on right now you know if, if you if you have a network and you've got a manager there, they're going to be doing some project management type stuff um and I, I think actually that's that's probably where we are now appropriate and, and okay. It, but I think you've got to be clear actually what, what are the different roles that you're doing. So, you know, when I've got my network manager hat on, what am I doing? And when I've got my project manager hat on, what am I doing? Um, I, you know, pra practice managers in, in the same way do take on um, yeah. project management as a, you know, as, as part of their, um, you know, toolkit to, you know, to, to do something within practices. Um, so there are, you know, there are times when we step into those roles. I think one, one of the things I have seen, um, and again, this is, you know, this is, this is not a criticism of people that find themselves in this position, but where projects have gone and appointed project managers, project managers are looking for projects to do, you know, because that, that's where their, their skill set is. They, if they've been particularly appointed as a project manager uh, to do some work within the, uh, the network and they haven't got a project to do, they are finding work to do. Um, and, I, I, you know, all credit to them. They, there is some opportunities to, you know, to um, take some ownership in that space and get some projects going. But, I, you know, I, I sometimes wonder if that's really what the network needs right now. Um, and I think we are, we're in such an early journey. Um, 
we're you know just we're almost a year in aren't we to to primary care networks um and i think we we're still going through that forming stage and we hadn't actually got to the end of that forming stage before you know the current crisis covid19 um kicked its uh kicked itself into uh our uh our, our site and we you know and I, I think there is there is something about um, needing to service a network um, and needing the, the, the network to be in a position that it can do something together that, that it can actually uh, embrace some projects and do some work and I think you know there, there is something about the network manager being able to step up and do some of this um, you know to get started and it's, it's not it's not particularly hard um, it's just actually knowing what needs to be done it's being clear about what needs to be done at the right time within the project to you know to do the right things for that project and help that project to move forward and some of that is about just applying some very simple tools and techniques it's it's, it's not um you know about being a uh, you know fully qualified project manager well that that may be a benefit um it's about it's about doing what's right for the, the for the network at this time um and you know get, getting your sleeves rolled up and maybe getting stuck into some of that facilitative work around around projects i do see um you know in, in a similar vein to uh, networks expecting the oh, sorry, uh, businesses expecting project managers to do uh, to do the work um, I think that you know that is falling on network managers as well there's an expectation they are going to do this stuff they are going to make these things happen um, and I'm, I'm sure there are some network managers out there that are you know working towards that they, they're going to make the care home contract uh, work they, they're going to deliver the improved access to general practice but actually you need to have um, the whole team with you to actually make it work. It, you know, it's not within the gift of the network manager to make these things work in and of their own um, selves. It, it, it is for that wider team to do the work. Um, and I think, you know, again, it's, it's challenging for the network managers at this time, where they're being brought in to solve the problems of the network. Actually, they're moving more into, you know, some, some facilitative work. They're moving into a space where they need to help the network form and. and decide it, what it you know establish a purpose and direction and, and to be able to measure what its impact and value is going to be so they can get some vision and they can move forward and I think that that's really where the, the network manager is servicing things well it's not necessarily about doing that procedural process and type stuff about getting contracts in, in place um, although there is you know part of that role is is definitely that you know and that you know it, it without that you can't do the other when you were uh, talking, it made me think about, we have a client manifesto and in that it says, we won't do the work with for you, we'll do it with you. Because I've been in instances where, when I was very, I've been doing this for five years, um, but also doing like um, business development um, for another previous five years learned very quickly when I first started I was really keen and really eager and was like yeah 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 I'll do it and we kind of go off and then look behind and no one was there and it kind of yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm all by myself <laughs> um, and it is you have to do it with them whether you are the network manager whether you're the project manager um, you you have to I just can't emphasize enough the majority of your role, unless you have a perfectly harmonious practice and or network and they just all naturally band together. Um, there is such a big part of making sure people are okay and want to do it and why they are doing it. And I think I, the reason why I ask that, because I think you get some project managers that will just look at the project and then the network manager, you know, essentially the project manager would report to the network manager because the network manager is, kind, you know, is a bit like the COO, making sure everything that is happening. So, yeah, I just thought it was helpful to discuss that.
So when practices say they can't afford project a project manager, but they do have a budget, what are they really saying? So, I mean, this, this is a really interesting question because it, it really is fundamentally what you know. What what are you trying to achieve as a as a practice as a network? What you know? What what do you want to do? And if it's, you know, if you want to introduce some change, if you want to introduce a new service, if you want to add value to, you know, to what you're doing to improve that patient experience, you, you need somebody to service that. Um, you need somebody to be, you know, organizing and making sure things happen. If they're not even, you know, involved in the actual doing, but they're actually, you know, looking after that project proper. And whether it's, you know, the budget is monetary or it's a, a you know, a, a time-based resource budget, um, you know, if you're not, being able to allocate that to the project, you're not really taking it seriously. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking here about, you know, we, we need to resource everything with, a, you know, with, with rigorous project management. There, you know, there, there is absolutely uh, a time and a place for that. Um, but there is something about giving time to doing the stuff uh, that sort of sits around the, the, the project proper um, and is allowing, um, you know, some, some real rigor to be applied at an appropriate level. Um, but so allowing some real rigor to be applied so that the project can be a, a success. Um, and I think when, when practices and um, networks aren't actually investing in, in project management, and I, you know, I, I'm not talking about appointing um, you know, an external project manager yeah. or you know, employing, I'm, I'm actually talking about just, you know, just the actual act of project management. When you're not investing in that, you're not really understanding what you, you're trying to do. You know, you know, it's almost like a half-hearted effort. Um, and I guess, you know, we, you can get away with that, um, you know, quite, quite a few times, but you're not going to get away with it always. Um, and you're not actually going to be servicing what you are trying to achieve. And I think it, it, it's really important um, to make sure that you're aware of, you know, why, um, why project management would benefit your practice. Um, and some of that is, you know, is, is really, really quite simple stuff. Um, it's it's not complex stuff. It's you know it's, it you don't need to have a qualification to be a project manager, but there are some very very simple principles that you could apply, um, and some of that's just you know being clear about how you start a project, um, you know doing some documentation um, so you, you can record uh, you know the the decisions you're making and, and why you're making them and you know who is involved and, and and think about how you communicate that and manage stakeholders. I mean there are some very very simple tools that you can apply, which will help you. Um, you know, as a practice or a network to, to do that, that project management and to get the, the advantage of it. So I guess where, it's, it's, it's not so much about, you know, appointing a project manager, it's about actually valuing what project management gives to you. Um, and I, I, I suspect that there are, you know, quite, quite a few practices that think, well, you know, we, we can just do this ourselves because we're not a business, we're not, um, you know, we, we don't need to have all this, this management stuff around us, we can just get on with this project. Um, but I suspect that those are successful in doing, are doing some project management, they just don't recognise that that is what they are doing. Um, and I, I also think that there's possibly some bad experiences of project management um, where there's been too much um, emphasis put on the, you know, the, the project process itself, um, where, you know, too, too many wasted meetings have, have taken place where people are coming together to give project updates um, and no actions are taken and everybody walks away from that meeting knowing, knowing what's going on, but no, you know, the project hasn't moved forward. Um, you know, that, that is something unfortunately that, that a lot of people experience um, but that's, that's not what project management is and 
you know, get, getting past the, uh, you know, the, the bad experience to, to value um, what project management could bring to, um, you know, a, a change or improvement project or, or delivering a new service project um, is something that's really important. And I think, you know, if, if, if I was, you know, in a, in a, a network now and I, I wanted to, um, you know, help, help introduce a change that, you know, the, the clinical director or the, the, the network team had, had introduced, it would start with, um, you know, some, some very, very simple, but would start with some rigor um, in that, that setup and that initiation and, you know, get that whole project inception because that's the best way to, to go forward. But no one would recognize that as being project management, but at its, at its fundamental core, that is what it is. Um, and I guess there is, there is something about scale here um, which is probably, you know, going going to address the, uh, you know, your 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 question specifically, and it's about knowing how much needs to be introduced when, in order to get the best result. Um, and I and I think that a lot of people see project management as this big thing. This, you know, this it, it's a, uh, you know, it's a whole set of rigor um, that's rigid, and you need to do all of this. You need to have a Gantt chart. You need to have, you know, a RAG rated uh, risk chart. You need to have um, you know, project documentation all the way through. You need to have a business case, a project initiation doc. You know, all of that—that's all optional. You know, that 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 can that can serve the project well, um, and if so, use it. But if it's if it's not necessary um, at the scale of where you're working, you don't need it. And I think this it that's the, the you know the disconnect um, between, I guess you know, a practice being able to 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 think they need some project management around something and actually being able to access that. Yeah, I, I think the word value is really, really important. And I think some practices and networks don't, it's not going to win me any friends, don't value it. And I think um, if it gets to the point where, and we will talk about external project managers, in that they a practice will think, well, I, well, I can keep that money versus than paying somebody else to do the project so and I think that obviously the networks I work with obviously don't think like that otherwise I wouldn't be there but I do know of other networks that would say that you know they've said you know you can just keep that money yourself just do it yourself just give it to a practice manager when there sometimes simply isn't the time there isn't enough hours in the day to be able to take on you know like more 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 and more and having an extra pair of hands to run a specific project and if the pro if you are very clear on the project that project manager has got a shelf life or, or that project has got a shelf life because it will either end and become business as usual and be sustainable or it will just end and then that is time for the project manager whoever that whoever's taking that role either if it's a if it's um, somebody with multiple roles they will just stop doing that or if it is a contractor then that pro that contractor should go yeah, I, I guess, you know, there's, there's a couple of issues around that to do with employment, engagement and contract law and all things, which does frighten practices. Um, no, I, I don't know of any practice uh, that I've ever worked with that, you know, willfully moves into, uh, you know, space of employing someone just because. And I, and I think it's something that, um, you know, does take a lot of time and consideration. And there's, you know, there's so many myths around, you know, we, we could do a whole podcast on, on the myths of, uh, you know, employing people in general practice. Um, but 
there, you know, there, there is something which causes people to stop um, before they even get started because of that, because it, you know, it's too difficult or, you know, they, they've heard um, or, you know, had bad experience. And I think it you know, comes back to my earlier point that, you know, a lot of general practice will employ people they know. Um, and if they haven't come across uh, project managers, then it, it's difficult for them to go and find project managers. Um, I think what, what I have seen, you know, in some areas is where project managers have come out of, um, you know, CCG uh, roles, where they are, you know, they, they, they've been doing that role in there, they've been, you know, reasonably successful, um, they, but in so far as they've worked with the practices to, you know, to help change to, to be implemented, uh, rather than implementing change um, and expecting practices to adopt it. So, you know, the, the practices have a good relationship with these individuals and they, they've stepped into some of the network roles. Um, and, I've, you know, there's a number of practices I've been working with in the southwest that have uh, project managers out of CCG, um, which you know, which are are doing well. You know, they they are servicing the needs of those networks. Um, but again, they you know they need projects to be working on. And I guess that you know some of the issues when you know if 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 you if you can't recognise in the first instance that you need a project manager, it's going to be difficult to go and get a project manager. And even thinking about um, what that job description might be or what what that role might be um, and knowing that you know uh, you, you could go and get somebody part-time um, who is going to be there for the duration of the project who's going to come and service your project for seven and a half hours a week um, and it doesn't all have to be on a Tuesday you know it's 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 that sort of level of detail which I think gets people stumble you know they 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 struggle with that or understanding that actually that's how things work um, you know, I, I know that, um, you know, we, we could find project managers to go and, uh, you know, do, do some part-time work in a project. And it doesn't all have to be on the day that the, you know, the clinical director is, is uh, giving his time over to the network. It, it, it can be ad hoc across a week. Um, it could be a number of hours a month. It, you know, it, it's whatever the project needs. But it's knowing that that's how things work, I think, is, is something that practice, you know, will, will struggle with because it's not their normal way of operating. You know, they're quite happy to get locums because actually locum comes in, does a session and goes away. You know, we, we can get locum project managers um, who will come in and do the same thing for a, uh, for a project. Um, they don't have to be employed full time. They, they can come in, they can do this piece of work and they can go away and they can do that without having to be a subject matter expert. Um, you know, they, they could be just acting as a project manager, um, but practices need to know that. So Matthew, what three things would you like our listeners to take away about project management and project managers? I think the first and foremost is that project management is important. It doesn't have to be a big burden though. It, it can be something that is actually quite simple and straightforward and good project management scales with the project itself. Um, and it just needs to be appropriate. And I, I think that there's... I guess, you know, from, from a point of view of a, a practice wanting to help a project be successful, um, there are some basic things that, you know, that you could be doing, uh, but, you know, they don't have to be um, delivered by somebody who has got, uh, you know, a qualification project management. And it's not to say that that isn't helpful, but actually there is some simple rigor that you can pick up, um, you know, quite, quite easily and just use that to help the project work um, and that's that's some stuff around documentation that's about having clear aims it's about um, you know making sure that you know resources are available to to see the project forward but it's also about bringing people together and facilitating those conversations so I think project management in and of itself 
is as difficult and as challenging as it, it needs to be and it might be it's actually quite simple um you, you just need to know what you need uh, for you know where you are in your project right now what what do you need to do right now um i think you know uh i was i was trying to think of an analogy um you know for this and, and where project management uh you know, could be likened to, to something in the real world. And everybody loves a car analogy. Um, I don't know if that's because I came from a software background and we always went for car analogies. Um, but, you know, you, you, you can think of a, a project manager as having uh, an advanced uh, driving qualification. You know, they, they've not just done the normal pass the test, they've, they've gone and done the advanced driving qualification. And so therefore they, they have a you know, better understanding of, of what driving is. Doesn't mean to say that somebody hasn't got that comp you know, can't be a good driver. Um, there is there is some you know some bits though between just being a driver and doing the advanced qualification uh, that you could easily apply without having to get there. And some of that is about you know, checking your brakes and your oil before you go off and do a, a journey, making sure you've got water um, in your your wipers. I I know. That as, a, as an individual, I don't do those things, you know, and I'm always surprised when I want to put my wipers on and there's no water coming out. If I, you know, if I was doing my advanced test, I'd probably know that actually that was worth doing before I went on the journey. And that's the difference between not being a project manager and being a project manager. But that's not to say you can't pick up those simple things um, and and apply them. Um, I guess the the other thing that is uh, you know is, is really useful to know is that um, project management um, is, is something that is, is scalable to, to your project. So if you have um, you know, a, a small project in a practice, you only need to apply a little bit of project management to it. Um, if you've got a bigger project across a network, you need to apply some bigger project management to it. Um, so it, it's knowing the scale at which you are doing the work. And by you know, applying that project management, is thinking about how much effort do I need to put up front? How much planning do I need to do to get this next phase of the project working? What am I thinking about? Who needs to be involved? You know, what are the resources? It, it's all that type of risk management stuff that a practice manager would be used to. Um, a network manager would be com completely aware of it. A project manager would do in their sleep. You, you can bring this stuff quite easily to, to the projects, um, but it's, it's understanding that scale is important. And so the bigger the project, the, you know, the, the more money that's invested in it, the, uh, the bigger the impact would be for the patients, uh, you know, the more rigid that you need to put around this. But that doesn't mean to say that you need to um, do everything. And it, it, there's, there's some sense that actually somebody else could be doing some of this stuff. So go and find um, you know, a, a, a good project manager that can help you on an ad hoc basis to, you know, to help shape and, and um, get, get projects started. And a lot of project managers are quite happy to be involved in different parts of the, the project. They don't need to be involved for the duration of the project. So you can get a project up and running you could get a project manager in to you know, absorb some of that, that delivery capacity um, during the life cycle of the, of the project. And then as you get to, to, to close, you maybe take some of that back yourself. So you don't need to get a project manager for the duration of the project. So I guess you know, those are things you need to be aware of. Um, it's, it's about what you can do, what scale is appropriate um, you know, for, the, for the size of the project you're doing, and the fact that you can actually go and get a project manager um, to do some ad hoc work. You don't need to employ them across the network or across your practice and specifically find work for them. Thank you so much, Matthew. I'm going to bring you back for part two, I think. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you so much.
So the Business of Healthcare podcast is being brought to you by THC Primary Care. We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. Find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. And in the meantime, please tune in to the next episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast.